Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 31st episode of the Connectivity Podcast. I'm Matthias Fridström, and I've spent the last 25 years inside the connectivity community. In this pod, we invite guests to deep dive into one or many subjects to simply learn more about connectivity. And in this 31st episode, I'm extremely happy to have Neil Elinsky from Cologix with me. So, welcome, Neil. Oh, thank you very much for having me here. Okay, so for the people that doesn't really know you, who are you? Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> um, so currently, I am the software engineering manager for Cologix, uh, but I've been a lot of things in my career. Um, I guess I, I started as a sysadmin. I worked in pen testing and compliance management for a while. Uh, I was a virtualization cloud architect. I was a marketing manager, made my way to product management uh, for a time. And yeah, now I run software engineering, all automation, customization, and primarily the network exchange for Cologix. Oh, that's interesting. That's a really interesting background. For the people that doesn't really know Cologix, could you just explain what Cologix do? Absolutely. Uh, at the simplest, it's co-location data mm -hmm. centers. Um, in, a, in a wider swath here, Cologix is a network neutral data center company that focuses on highly interconnected co-location. Right? So that, that trying to specialize there a little bit because there's a lot of different types of data center and a lot of different types of co-location out there. Uh, what we specialize in specifically is highly interconnected sites, typically built around a carrier hotel and this whole model of carrier hotel co-location. Um, so that does mean it's a little bit different than maybe some of the standard consumer, um, mid-level, or even um, some of the uh, data center providers out there that others may know that specialize on maybe just large sites and only that. We do a little bit of everything, but all around network and network connectivity. All right, that's cool. How did you end up there? <laughs> um, I actually got a, a call from an old colleague uh, said that there was a wonderful growing co-location company. They had an opportunity. Um, I was in product management at the time working for OVH, actually, a, a mm, French yep. cloud-based company. I was one of their product managers, helped them to launch in the United States uh, and expand over here in North America. Um, had a wonderful job. It was a wonderful company, a lot of good going on there. Uh, but I was traveling a good bit um, between Europe and the US, uh, spending more time away than at home. Uh, and they said, hey, we have an opportunity here in Denver. Uh, actually where you're based um, would be in North America to focus on the growth cycle of another company and starting to get into physical assets rather than the virtual world where you're at managing cloud resources and cloud assets. Uh, and it sounded like a really interesting opportunity. So I jumped at the chance to spend a little bit more time at home, uh, get to work with some great people that I had worked with before to launch other services in my past and get to focus, uh, as I said, on now real physical locations, being in the data center space with physical networking, being a big part of this, but starting to bring my cloud world and what I knew from cloud and that experience back into it. Oh, that's really cool. And that's, uh, that kind of leads me into the next topic around the cloud, because uh, I know there's a lot of listeners that's always, you know, where is the cloud, you know? <laughs> and I guess, you know, <laughs> that's one of the major questions and, and, and so on. So, and you also work with these type of services. Uh, how do you, how would you define you know the the cloud itself you know where is the cloud? 
Uh, it's it's everywhere and uh, it's uh, almost nowhere at the same time. Yeah, <laughs> that, that gets to be uh, very difficult in some ways because you do have this idea of regions, right? Um, so you can have your services managed over a large region, but you never know exactly where it is being um running where it's processing at one point in time um, you may have a, a market this idea of a market where it's a city and maybe the surrounding suburbs uh, where you're generally in that area but getting much more specific can be hard um, in some areas so when you're connecting into them and when you're working with cloud really your anchor point is typically what we call the on-ramp and that, that idea of this is the network edge, the point of where uh, your network stops and the cloud network begins. And typically there's not very many of those. So that's where I say it's not, not that um, available at the same time. So it's everywhere knowing that you could have a Northeast region. You are somewhere in the Northeast, mm -hmm. but for privacy and security concerns, they're not gonna let you know. But uh, maybe your on-ramp is in New York City, okay. right? And that there's one or two and those are very hard to get to. There may not be many of them around. Um, they are valuable resources, but that's your physical point that is advertised very well to be in a specific facility in a specific place. And that's how you can interact directly with the cloud when you're not going from a, a public side. So it, yeah, it's a little bit of everything. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a good answer, really. Do you feel there is a trend for more and more people to ask where the cloud is or are people, people starting to become interested in where their data is actually stored or or is this old feeling that you know the cloud is in the cloud and and you shouldn't care where it is i i think more people are starting to ask to get a better idea because everyone's moving towards a distributed model mm. is really it. it it's been decades of going from a hub and spoke type of model of keeping everything around one central hub, one central location. Uh, that worked well for a really long time for a lot of architectures, but generally we're seeing the industry and businesses move to be closer to the customers. But this is the whole conversation of edge, which has been around for a while, uh, just distributing, right? And yep. to be distributed and to do that properly, you need to know where you're putting your systems, where your customers are, how you're moving your processing and moving things closer to your audience, whatever that is. But you're also trying to keep more control of your data, which has been a conversation now for the last decade too. <laughs> That's yep. been very important yep. is where's your data? Are you keeping control of it or is it getting out of your hands? Uh, which has been all this part of the hybrid cloud architecture, right? Is that split of putting what processing you need, what services you need close to your end users, keeping your data and your highly valuable items in a private area close to that, and then using both of those in combination to reduce latency, reduce your risk, keep control of what you need to let up control of what you don't um, so that you can let someone else manage that where that's their specialty, which is cloud. So you need to know, going back to your question, <laughs> where your services are and where the cloud is to be able to make those determinations. Uh, yeah. You can use generalizations of that to say, I am generally going to be around the United Kingdom, but it would better be better to say, I am specifically in a cloud in downtown London or just outside of that. And based on that, I can manage my private services and private data that I need to house. I can manage my connectivity and my latency to my end customers, which are going to be generally on the northern side of Europe. Okay. So you yeah. need to know to make those kind of decisions. Mm -hmm. Oh, but that's good. What would you say the biggest challenge with cloud is today? You know, a couple of years ago, it, we had different challenges building them out. What What's the biggest challenge in the end of 2022? That is a, another great question. Um, 
I don't know that I have an immediate answer to that. The greatest challenge to cloud um, was it, in what's, general. What's, say, what's sort of the most common question you get from your customers? I, I think the most common that I get is is really, can you help? <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> yeah. um, I think the biggest challenge right now is that the all of the cloud providers have forged their own path. Yeah. Right. They all have their specialty, their differentiation. And we moved beyond messaging of one cloud to rule them all. Uh, yep, this, yep. this idea that you can only work with one provider, um, that Hotel California, the vendor lock-in, those kind of conversations, and everything has moved over the last five years to multi-cloud and to multi-cloud management. And I think the bigger problem that comes with that is the complexity because AWS is architected and has different value and has different requirements than Azure, which is very different from Google and different from Oracle. All of them have their own methods of connection, their methods of usage, their own security model. They've all differentiated in their own space. Yeah. And so I think the complexity is actually one of the largest challenges that we have today because there's not necessarily a uniform standard. Yeah. between them for your usage and companies are being pushed more and more to use the best tool for the job yeah and that really pushes them to have a multi-tool work bag uh, which gets to be too complicated and it requires a lot of very highly skilled staff um, highly skilled trusted advisors through the process and that starts to complicate your own resource pool as a business as you're trying to work with uh, this wide swath of cloud providers. And really, I've just named the big five. Uh, there yeah. are hundreds of smaller regional providers that you can work yeah. with as well yeah. um, that can even more complicated. So finding the right tool, finding the right trusted partner and working with them to get the right solution for you is, is probably going to be the, the biggest challenge as people are sorting through the weeds. Yeah, okay. Do you feel the trend is that more and more clouds are popping up, challenging the big ones, or are the big ones really driving away from everyone and will become the dominant factor in the foreseeable future? Uh, I think they're absolutely driving away uh, yeah. from the smaller regional providers that we see. There's a consolidation yeah. uh, in, in a way. We see it in the data center world where a lot of the smaller individual data center providers that may just have one facility or two facilities in market, um, they are starting to roll into the bigger companies. Um, there's a lot of mergers and acquisitions and growth through that way. Now, the larger cloud providers aren't necessarily buying smaller clouds, right? But they are offering more value at a more competitive price in more locations, and they're starting to become a, a better value sometimes than some of these smaller players. Um, so there is in some markets uh, diminishing choice in some ways where you're not finding so many hosting groups that are uh, managing really hosted private solutions. There are a mm -hmm. few out there, uh, but public cloud has just become so synonymous uh, with five providers in this yeah. way. It, you're really just looking at, again, um, AWS and Azure very much in the lead. Uh, we see them coming up in the majority of the conversations. Google has been accelerating the last few years. We're seeing quite a bit more from them mm -hmm. uh, than we have in the past too, um, and a lot of uh, development um, specialty over there. Uh, and then we're starting to see more and more from IBM and Oracle with IBM coming through the second wave with this 2.0 yeah. of their platform since their consolidation of their cloud acquisitions. And then uh, Oracle really launching with their their latest cloud um, platform has been catching up in some ways mm. um, but they still have such a specialty in the market that we're not seeing a whole lot from them yeah quite yet um, from our customer base it's most of conversations AWS and Azure okay oh that makes sense and, I, and that's kind of the same we see over here in Europe as well uh, okay you come yeah. from a colocation provider and one thing we operator 
kind of like but dislike is the cross connects and i think we we always have to talk cross connects you know how's how's your view on uh, cross connects and 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 their importance and, and how do you treat that in cologics uh cross connects are the core of the business today and actually that's a lot of what i've been working to enhance over the last few years and try to move from physical cross connection over to more of a virtual platform yeah. like i mentioned before bringing that cloud experience over to interconnection but no interconnection is incredibly important right no business can survive on their own uh especially in a, in a virtual world you're going to need to connect to other providers and you're going to need to do so in a performant secure way right so the best way that you can do that is coming to one location where you can all meet at the table and you can share data and services back and forth and this could be between you and your bank uh you and cloud services we've been talking but you and your network service providers who are helping to host your website uh and your other services that your customers connect to uh as well as your your back end uh, end users within your company that your internal IT is serving all of those have different needs in terms of storage and security and networking and all of this together. So interconnection is the way that you bring all of them together and you meet together. And so being a physical asset, right? Interconnection, what we're really talking about. And so for any audience, it may not be fully ingrained here, but really the, the cable, the connection, the one hop between you and another provider, yep. right? You wanna keep that to a limited number of hops to give your business the best performance, the best, again, security, the best availability to reduce the risk between any of your private IP, your data, your services, your transactions. You wanna limit how far that has to go to get between you and the end provider that you're working with for whatever the realm of your business is. And because this is a physical asset, it's not going to be universal. You're not yeah. going to be able to connect to everyone everywhere um, at the same time in the same way. So getting close to as many as possible to make sure that you're using something like an, an interconnection option, fiber interconnection, just a cross connect between you and your other providers can give you an edge in your business and can reduce the amount of downtime and other issues you could run into by using longer metro services or bigger um, connection MPLS rings and other services where you're going through multiple hops, through multiple areas, through multiple services to get to who you need to get to. And you're hoping that those stay online. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah no, absolutely. Don't have outages, but yeah. It, it's IT, right? Things yep. are always going to happen to your services. So the chance of a problem between you and a provider with one cable, mm -hmm. pretty low. Yep. Um, so interconnection is key to a huge number of businesses who need to control for that risk, need to control for downtime, um, and want to be located right next to their provider. And so we've been talking about cloud a good bit, and, and sure, that's that's yep. a big part of my background. Um, but if you have your your business in a number of, let's say, two cabinets on a data center floor, your servers, your switches, your storage, your business is running in a core with all of your processing, your data, your customer info right there. And Amazon is one cabinet over. Yeah. <laughs> and you can connect to AWS with a cable uh, that's going to be a few feet to get into them with a direct connection. Probably going to be the best bet for you and your business yep. and your services on that, rather than having to jump, uh, say, 500 kilometers away to get to them and dealing with that latency and that equipment and all the things that could happen. And I, I hate anxiety-based messaging, and I'm not trying to do that here. Um, but uh, being a former sysadmin, being in that position, wanting to manage the the risk and the availability and uptime, and having that be an IT need, um, reducing the distance between you and providers is a key way to do that. And interconnection is the best way to manage it. And it, 
an area like a carrier hotel or an interconnection hub, right, where everyone can meet to share these connections is the best bet to do that with the widest number of people possible. So it's a huge value to me. Yeah, <laughs> no, to absolutely. And, and to us as well, you know, the operators really need them. So uh, I fully understand. Uh, okay, Cologix, uh, how do you define where your next data center is going to be? You know, what what's, what's the process behind, you know, uh, how do you find out or are you just happy where you are and, and you're just growing where you are or, or how is that process working? We focus, and I, I don't want to feel like I'm parroting this too much here, mm -hmm. but on that carrier hotel. So typically within a city, you're going to have one, yeah. maybe two locations where the majority of fiber is going to meet in mm -hmm. a, a typically a single building. It's going to be downtown. It, it's a very valuable, typically a skyscraper that most people drive by every day and they don't realize it mm -hmm. on that. So a good example of this could be uh, in Vancouver. Right. We we do have a facility in Vancouver that's based around 555 West Hastings would be the, the street address of that um, common carrier hotel. It's a skyscraper called the Harbor Center. Uh, it's been there for ages. It has a ton of businesses in it. But this is where all the fiber in Vancouver comes together yeah. uh, in one location. One building meets there and then can can go up to a number of suites within the building. So we focus on sites like that. Mm. Um, build our business around that and then start to spread out to help customers get more connectivity to it. Because if we're using this example of, of Vancouver um, up in Canada, this is one building yep. and all of the fiber is going to this one location and in one of the most expensive real estate markets in, in the world, as <laughs> you're yep. notorious for it. Um, and there's not a lot of floor space, even in the skyscraper, for businesses to operate. Uh, so you can only squeeze so many servers, cabinets, uh, systems, and even cloud providers uh, with nodes into this one facility. So you have to start to tether that mm -hmm. um, out. And, and it's this idea of starting to have concentric circles. So we focus on the inner circle first, which is going to be this carrier hotel. Where's the fiber? Where are the carriers? Yep. Really, the telecommunications so that you can have that reliable transport. And then starting to build what we would call an annex facility around that. So is there a good availability in that market for us to start to have other sites and other buildings downtown and then starting to get out to the edge of the suburbs there mm -hmm. in these circles? And then can we move on to really out in the suburbs and just a little bit further outside of town to where we could fit hyperscale facilities? So that's where we're starting to get in, in the range of 20, 30, 40 megawatts for mm -hmm. a site. Mm -hmm. um, these are massive, massive locations uh, where you can fit tens of thousands of servers. And, and so if you think of it, um, focusing on, again, that center point where you can have uh, a lot of fiber and a lot of connectivity and a few customers can fit in there. Um, we'll do our best within that building, of course, or that location, wherever that is. And then really expanding that out to get more people in at a lower price point where you can have that annex. You're not core downtown, but you're just a little outside of it. There's a little bit more floor space. Uh, it's it's a little bit more in that, that mid-range for those customers that need it. And then getting out to the hyperscale facilities for the people that really need tens of thousands of square feet to run what they need to do, and they need to still connect in, get to that carriers in a reliable way, be able to manage from there. So when we're building our sites, it's all around that story, all around that message, helping customers with that connectivity and getting them to carriers like Aurelion. Uh, and um, yeah. other major fiber carriers and providers that yeah. are in market, they're regional, local, and, and, and that draws everyone else in, which builds an ecosystem. And that's really a part of our play is everything rides on network services and network backbone. So you have to be somewhere near that. Mm -hmm. And then that brings in all the businesses that rely on it to manage down that risk, like we were talking about earlier. Mm -hmm. And that brings in cloud providers to work off of those services and work with those clients, which then brings in more providers that want to work between those and play together. 
And before you know it, you have a really rich ecosystem of yeah. different providers and services that are all interconnected, all working together, uh, and typically just one or two hops away. Thanks everyone for listening. In the next episode, we will continue to talk to Neil Elinsky, so stay tuned until next time. Please also remember the Twitter handle ConnectivityPod for updates. <laughs>